Well, as we've already heard, today we're starting a new series of talks here at Portswood with the title, What is Church? Now that might seem like a strange question to be asking, especially as many of us have probably been going to church for most of our lives. Surely we already know what church is. And I agree, we can have a good idea of what church is, but with uh, everything that's happened over the last 18 months or so, our experience of church has changed significantly and we're still in a state of flux. We've not been able to meet as we would have liked to for a long time. And we've also had a lot of other changes too in this past year. So I think that now is a really good moment to be asking the question, what is church? And to be thinking and talking together about what church is as we begin this new season. A fresh start can be a real help in terms of faith and journeying together with God. The beginning of a new year or a new school year is an opportunity to turn a page or to leave behind what's in the past and move forward with a renewed focus or sense of purpose. From God's perspective, every day is like a new start. As it says in Lamentations chapter 3, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, the approach that we're going to take with this question, what is church, is to look at how the apostles Peter and Paul described people who were among the first believers in the wider world, beyond places like Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, where the church first started to grow. Today and over the next few weeks, we'll begin by looking at Peter's first letter And after that, we'll turn our attention to the letter Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In their letters, there are many ways that Peter and Paul used to describe people who were part of the church. But we've chosen just 10 to focus on over the next 10 weeks. And it would be a great help if you could keep reading these two letters from start to finish as we work our way through week by week. They're much shorter than the letter to the Hebrews that we were looking at before the summer. And it would probably only take you 15 minutes to read either 1 Peter or Ephesians. So let me encourage you right from the start of this series uh, to be doing that and to perhaps discuss with one or two other people what you find that is helpful or challenging in these letters. As you know, Peter was a fisherman who spent three years following Jesus as one of his first disciples. And he had quite a few ups and downs as he came to terms with who Jesus was, not just the promised Messiah, but the one and only Son of God. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, Peter was instrumental in making these truths known to a wide audience. Although he faced opposition and persecution and ultimately death, and in spite of a few wobbles along the way, he remained faithful to the one who had called him to leave behind his fishing nets and to become a different sort of fisherman. When we read the first verse of this first letter, we immediately have a description of the people he's writing to. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now with the help of a map or the internet, 
we find that these strange sounding places are located, are all located in Asia Minor. In fact, they're different regions of what we know today as Turkey. And some of us have probably been on holiday to these places without even knowing it. But it's the word exiles that I want us to explore together this morning. Why does Peter call them exiles? And what does that tell us about the church? And what difference does that make to us today? When you hear the word exile, I wonder what images or ideas come to mind. In recent weeks, we've seen the struggle that people have had trying to leave Afghanistan, with many more people wanting to flee their homeland because of the political and ideological changes. It's something that we've become very familiar with over the past few years, people escaping from one country because of wars or famine or hardship and arriving in another as foreigners or refugees. It's very emotional and often hard to comprehend. The word exile also has a strong resonance with the story of God's people that we read in the Bible. Starting with Abraham when he was about 80 years old and childless, God promised that he would have a huge family, countless descendants, and a land for them to live in as their home. Over centuries, God fulfilled these promises and the nation of Israel settled in the land that God gave them and they prospered greatly. But there came a time when, much later on, they were conquered by stronger nations and taken into exile in Babylon and other places. And the books of Esther and Daniel and Nehemiah in the Old Testament tell us about how God's people survived in exile and they give us encouraging examples of lives lived for God in foreign places. So when Peter refers to the people he's writing to as exiles, that isn't necessarily a negative description. But to be an exile does mean essentially to be in a place where you don't belong, to be an alien, a stranger. I've had a bit of experience over the last 15 years of being a foreigner, first of all living in France and then coming back to the UK. This past year coming back to Southampton has felt in some ways like being an exile. It wasn't what we would have chosen to do and it's very very strange, it's felt very strange at times to find ourselves back in our home country when home has been elsewhere for many years. I wonder if any of you have also had that feeling of being displaced, or of not belonging. Most of us probably have at one time or another. All it takes is to start a new school or a new job or to travel abroad. We can easily find ourselves in a place where we don't know the language or how things are done, or in a place that is new and therefore unfamiliar, not like what we're used to. I think that Peter refers to these believers as exiles to remind them that they're not at home in this world, that something has happened to them to give them a different perspective on life where they're living. Even though Peter describes them as scattered, that might not mean that they've moved away from the towns and villages where they were born. He might simply be underlining the fact that they're not all in one place. But when he says that they are exiles, that does mean something specific. And it's not just the first verse of this letter that has that description. If we look at verse 17 of chapter 1, Peter writes, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, 
live out your time here as foreigners in reverent fear. Being foreigners or exiles changes the way we live our lives. In one way, it underlines the temporary nature of our current existence. While we are here, we're away from our true and permanent home. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? While we were living in France, we knew that we were not French. But after being there for quite a few years, we no longer felt like we belonged in the UK either. We learnt the language and adopted some of the customs, like kissing people on the cheek when they came to our house, or wherever we met, in fact. And if that wasn't strange enough, there was the then kissing everyone on the cheek whenever we left anywhere. And I do mean everyone. It felt like it took forever to say goodbye. But it underlined that everyone mattered, that no one should be forgotten or left out. And then whenever we were in the UK, it started to feel very strange not to kiss people on the cheek when we met or when we said goodbye. So it's funny what you get used to when you're living as a foreigner. When Peter says live out your time here as foreigners in reverent fear, he's not saying that we should be afraid or fearful. In fact, there are places in this letter where he says not to give way to fear. Do not be frightened. He tells us to cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for us and he describes believers as being shielded by God's power. The idea of living as foreigners in reverent fear has to do with being conscious of God, being aware of God and being respectful towards God and towards others too. And these ideas of being conscious of God and respecting others are repeated again and again in this letter. In chapter 2, Peter tells us to show proper respect to everyone. In chapter 3, he tells husbands to treat their wives with respect. And then he writes that we should always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope that we have. But to do this with gentleness and respect. As foreigners or exiles living in someone else's country or city or town, Respect for others goes a long way. I think we can all imagine the situation of being on holiday abroad and seeing other people from our home country behaving as if they owned the place and being very disrespectful of local people. That's the very opposite of what Peter is encouraging here. We are exiles and so in one sense we're only temporary visitors. Our real home is elsewhere. So let's be careful about how we live our lives not frightened, but full of respect and concern both for God and for other people. If we remember the stories of Esther or Daniel or Nehemiah, it's very noticeable the respect that each of them showed as exiles and foreigners to the people around them, especially to those in authority, and how that respect for others came from their relationship with God. They didn't forget who they were, or their dependence on God, even though they were living in foreign places far away from the home that God had promised them. The last place where Peter describes the people he's writing to as foreigners is in chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Peter again makes the connection between our status as exiles and the way we live in this world. Right from the beginning of this letter, he's clearly identified himself and the people he's writing to 
as belonging to Jesus. And Jesus himself is an example, perhaps the ultimate example of being an exile, leaving heaven to come into this world, building the church out of people who are called to follow his example. Satan made several attempts to entice Jesus into following the ways of this world, but Jesus refused these temptations. As Peter says in verse 22 of chapter 2, Jesus committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Instead, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. To be honest, I'm not sure how seriously I've taken Peter's words here. It's easy to to read them, but much harder, I think, to take them to heart and to put them into practice. Peter tells us that Jesus took the punishment for our sins on the cross, not so that we could do just whatever we wanted to, but so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Now, that's not an easy thing to do by any means, but perhaps as we keep reading through this letter, we'll be reminded that we're being urged as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against our souls. Perhaps we're not even aware that we still have sinful desires, let alone that they wage war against our souls. But this is something to take seriously, even if it's not very comfortable to face up to. There are many places in this letter where Peter encourages his readers to think about how they're living and what they're living for. Today we're just making a start, but already there are things to respond to and to talk about together. If we're going to make the most of thinking about this question, what is church? There'll be lots of things to discuss and to pray about over the coming weeks. So let's take a moment to do that now. Let's pray and ask for God's help to live as foreigners and exiles in this world. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came into this world for us. And thank you that we belong to you and that your spirit lives in us. Lord, we pray that you would you would help us to live our lives for you. And Father God, thank you for the love that you have shown us, the great love that you have poured into our lives. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts to you and continue to make your light shine in our hearts and in the hearts of people that we know and love so that we may glorify you. For we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.